This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. Hello, and welcome to The Speech Link, brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Shara Beauchart, speech-language pathologist, and I invite you to join us as we share practical strategies to take your therapy to the next level. We'll talk with experienced experts who have achieved extraordinary results and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. There are two types of SLPs, one that knows exactly what to do with individuals that require alternative forms of communication. Then there's the other type, an SLP that has absolutely no idea what to do with a child that needs augmentative alternative forms of communication, AAC. But no matter what category you're in, or if you're somewhere in between, I can only tell you that in this next hour, you're going to learn more practical how-to information about AAC, assessment and therapy, than if you took a whole course. I wish I had heard all of this years ago. Well, you're fortunate you're hearing it now. Grab your pen and notebook. We're off and running. guest today is Mary Beth Plankers, a speech-language pathologist, and her topic is how to share the gift of communication through augmentative modes. She's a therapist as well as a presenter through the Bureau of Education and Research, and she also does clinical supervision and is the facilitator of the Regional Assistive Technology Center at Minnesota State University at Moorhead. Most significantly, this center is a lending library of universal design for learning and assistive assistive technology tools. She's influential and on the cutting edge of assistive technology. In addition, she teaches at the clinic and does speech language therapy, obviously in the area of augmentative alternative communications, AAC, as well as telepractice and autism spectrum disorders. Regarding her therapy with children on the autism spectrum, and this is totally fun, Mary Beth volunteers and takes her certified pet therapy pet partner, Tova, and I'm pretty sure that's how you say that, to work with her as a social skills support with children's therapy groups. I also need to mention that Mary Beth has her ATP, her Assistive Technology Professional Credential. With all of your clinical experience and your ATP, that in my eyes makes you an Assistive Technology expert, my friend. I'm really looking forward to learning from you. Welcome, Mary Beth, to the Speech Link. Thank you, Shar. I'm very excited to be here, and there's many things to share and tell others about related to the world of AAC. Great, great. Well, I love your title. I love that part about the gift of communication. And I think you said that there was a story behind that. And would you start there and share that with us? Thank you, Shar. Yes, I want each one of you to realize that you have a gift right there with you today. There are six qualities that I want you to bring your awareness to in regards to this gift. Number one, this gift is immediate. In our fast-paced world today, we have immediate access to this gift. The second quality is it's accessible. No matter where we are, no matter how we're feeling, it is always with us. The third quality is it's dynamic. And in this world today, we're highly entertained, but we can use this dynamic gift no matter when, where, or how. The fourth component is it allows us to be in control. And what I mean in control, it gives us that feeling, that sense that all is well and can quite often be that way. 
The fifth component is it shows emotions. And again, emotions that bring heartwarming feelings to those of sadness, to anxiety, and again, to positive outcomes. And the final component of this gift is it is reflective. And in today's fast-paced world, Taking time to be reflective is critical for each one of us, but this gift allows us to do so. The gift that I'm talking about can truly define who we are. The gift is the ability to communicate, which leads me to what is augmentative alternative communications? When I began back looking at communications, it was fairly new and AAC has probably been around anywhere from about 30 to 35 years, as long as I've been around. But I want you to begin thinking about two components that relate to AAC, because when we look at augmentative communications, we are strictly talking language. Most of you have had a developmental course in language and then a disorders course, and that beautifully aligns with augmentative alternative communications. So when we look at communication related to augmentative communication, there are two components I want you to think about. There's unaided and aided. When we look at unaided, you will be familiar with this type of communication. We look at our gestures, we look at our body language, facial expressions, and possibly some type of sign or sign language. When we move over to aided, then we're looking at a range of no-tech or low-tech, mid-tech, high-tech, and possibly other electronic communication systems looking at augmentative communication. As we move further into considerations when looking at augmentative communication, there are six components we want to keep in mind. What would those guidelines be? Number one, we want to make sure that the student is ready and wanting to utilize some type of augmentative communication. And there's numerous options for consideration. We also need to consider what are some of the environmental barriers that make it in the way. And then we look at are there specific task requirements related to augmenting their communication. We always want to look back at our goals and objectives. Where is it that we want this student or child to be? And we must consider that there are multiple modes of communication. You have a voice, but in addition, you may write notes, use sticky notes or paper. You may have a smartphone where you will email or text or a tablet where you would do the same or you can electronically chat with someone or better yet, you have a computer. And again, all those modes of communication. But keep in mind, we have a voice. The last but not least is when we're thinking about augmentative communication, we want to make sure that it is a team effort because it shouldn't be one person deciding. Parents, agencies, schools, outside care providers always need to be part of that because everyone sees this child or student in a different environment. When we look at options, most importantly, we want to think about accessibility. Do we do direct select touch? Do we do eye gaze? Do we do facial movements? We want to consider cognition. What level is this child at? Do we need actual real symbols to begin teaching? Or can we do objects or photos? Where do we go from there? It needs to have a purpose. We can't just give a child a tool hoping that this will help them communicate. We need to let them know it has a purpose and then a function. And most importantly, it has to be compatible for our, the environment and the settings where we begin. So we might ask the question, where do we start looking at augmentative communication? My own personal belief is that it is critical. If I don't know the answers to something, I need to research. 
I need to do assessment. And again, assessment is the foundation for determining what our language needs are and how we may consider augmenting them. So when I begin talking about assessment, I want to think about there are three tools that that I use when I'm assessing. The first tool that I take a look at is looking at a tool called the SET. It stands for Student, Environment, Task, and Tools. It was developed by Joyce Sabala, who works for CAST, the Center for Applied Special Technologies, out of Wakefield, Massachusetts. And it sounds like a lot of language within when we talk about SET and those four areas, but it really is very practical. And I feel a good assessment will lead to great interventions. And that's a very critical component. To begin taking a look at the SET, we ask questions pertaining to the student. And when we began first with students, the purpose of the overall set is to prevent trying tool after tool after tool and not sure which one might best be the mean, meet the needs of the student or better yet, what tools will be comparable and helpful to this individual's communication. So when we look at the set, we look at student first and we decide what are their needs, what are some of their strengths, and again, what are their unique communication issues that need to be addressed. Can I stop you right there? Because I love this, and it makes so much sense that you have the children there, or you have an adult, and you look at their capabilities and their incapabilities and what needs to be done. Would you please give me an example of a child that you have worked with so that I can get a sense, a visual sense to hang all of this great information on? So you want me to give an example of how we do a set with a child? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Make it real so that I am sitting there with the kid because I hear what you're saying, but I need a visual image. Okay. I can do that. I know. I know you can. All right. Here we go. So let me give you a teaching example of how a set would be used with a child and a family or whom else may be involved. When I begin the set, I as the speech pathologist will give it to a teacher, to the parent, possibly a care provider or other team members. Because again, as I previously stated, this needs to be part of a team involvement. And from there, Each person fills out the student questions, identifying their needs, identifying their strengths, and their uniqueness related to communication. Then from there, I ask each team member to take a look at an environment. Parent will probably choose home. And so when they go through the home things, I say to the parent, tell me what is it, what are some communication opportunities you have at home? So, for example, a parent will say, it would be so nice to be able to ask my child when they come home from school, what went on today? So that tells me that's a great teaching opportunity. Another example, parent might say, at dinner time, it would be nice to find out what's gone on or what's going to come along or that we can talk about the weekend or how the weekend went. So that's another great. The other one in the home environment The child may want to indicate preferences, making choices, making requests. And again, those are all very critical for parent communication at home. For example, when I work with the teacher using the set student environment, in the environment, the teacher may give me an example of circle time. Are we doing calendar? What does that communication opportunity look like? We might be doing a reading time or maybe math, or maybe a a social or a game activity. So we'll take a look at each one of those environmental pieces that would be great opportunities for teaching communication. And the third area that I really like to target is community. If a child wants to go to a park, how do they communicate with someone? I want to do this, or I'm ready to make a change, or I'm hungry, I need to go to the bathroom. So again, we want to look at each of those environments, home, 
school, and community in order to begin the process taking a look at that establishing what their communication needs are. Once we've picked those environments, then we break it down even further. And I'll say to the parent, just as I was giving you some examples, what's expected of this child at home? Well, maybe they're to help set the table at supper time. So there's another communication opportunity. A great communication opportunity is getting ready for bed or better yet, getting up in the morning, making sure that again, we've brushed our teeth, washed our face, pajamas are on, maybe a few bedtime stories, homework is in the backpack, whatever those needs may be. But those are the expected what we call tasks of communication. And so again, we want to make sure we create those. Same with the teacher. When I look at circle time, they do calendar, they might do um, birthdays, they might pick up who are the line leaders for the week, or who's student of the week. And again, how do we create those tasks expected of communication and identify those? So again, when we look at student, we look at the environments, and the examples that I gave you of tasks, that helps me begin the process determining what tools will best fit that student's needs. One other tool, assessment tool, that I want to bring to your attention, and it is one that has been so helpful, it's developed by an occupational therapist. And I always say, stay connected to your OTs. The tool is called Every Move Counts. It was developed by Jane Corston and Terry Foss and Lisa Berry. And Every Move Counts looks at teaching augmentative communication through sensory modes. You assess their movement that they may make. Majority of the children who I use Every Move Counts with are children who are probably in a wheelchair and have limited movement or capabilities for either accessing augmentative communication tools or better yet, being able to use some of those. So we break down their sensory. We look at what they do, what they gravitate toward auditorily. Do they like music? Do they like movies? What catches their attention? We look at tactile. Maybe there's eventually going to be tactile switches that they'll use because every move counts means I'm looking at their movement during this assessment and finding out what sensory preferences they have. In addition to that, I might look at vision. And again, are they highly motiva motivated by that visual component? I might also look at a combination of auditory, tactile, visual, all those sensory components together. And so here again would be children who have maybe higher needs and might not be able to directly touch or access something, but maybe giving them a switch that either might have a light or might have something that vibrates or gives them some type of input while we do things like music, reading a book, videos, we might play a game, things that have light or have movement can make a major difference because a lot of times I'll see children who are either para or quadriplegic who make great augmentative communicators once they've been given a tool that allows them to connect to their environment, to their world, and make them an augmented communicator. Wonderful. How do I access every move counts? I just went on Amazon, of course, <laughs> and I don't see anything. What is, is it a book? Is it a program? Every move counts is a program. And again, where you need to be trained specifically in order to be an administrator of the assessment. Oh. And again, it's an assessment tool. And it is a phenomenal training for speech pathologists, especially those involved in augmentative alternative communications. And you go to every move counts, you would go to the training. Once I you've gotcha. completed the training, you then receive their training manual. And now you are a, one able to administer the assessment 
and the interventions related to sensory integration. They will travel out and they will, you can contact them. We as a group contacted them here in northern Minnesota and they came to our university and they offered a training. I believe there were about 12 or 15. They prefer a smaller group and you would like that also. But again, they'll offer this direct training and teaching for assessment and intervention. Okay. And it's everymovecounts.net. EveryMoveCounts.net, yes. Excellent. So we are in the middle of analyzing this child, and you've given us a lot of different components. What else do we need to know as an SLP? As an SLP, as we continue, once we've done our assessment, the best part is we're not done yet, but that means that we always can go back to assessment to ask and answer questions. But like I said, once, whether we've done the set student environment task and now the tools come next or whether we've done an assessment like every move counts with a child or a student who is more has more sensory issues then we're ready to begin our assessment of tools and like I say it's critical depending Keep in mind, we are developing an AAC system. It's not just one tool that's going to fix all communications, but it's a system. And I want to remind you of yourself because, again, you have a system of tools that you use to communicate a phone, a computer, a tablet, your voice, paper, pencil, chats, whatever that might be. So again, that's our end of the road picture that we're looking for. And I want to make sure that I remind parents, teachers, and care providers that you are all part of that system in helping us develop what tools and supports. So as I begin, I begin my checklist. And in the set, the student environment task and tools, there's an excellent template. And by the way, if you go to set Joy Sabala, you will find all these documents at no cost and available to you. It is Joy, her first name, J-O-Y, Zabala, Z-A-B-A-L-A. She has some phenomenal resources at no cost available to anyone. And again, you can download those templates. I call those my organizational tools. Here's where I begin the tool process. And like I said, Joy has an actual template. So you keep good documentation and records of where you have been, where you are going. And again, I share these with all team members so that no one is left out of the decision-making process or again, adding input to that decision-making process. You have shared an assessment checklist with us. The social interactive checklist, is this something that comes in now or later? When, you're gonna, when are you going to talk with us about that? Yes, thank you. I'm going to talk about it. I use it for screening purposes when I'm looking at an individual because the interactive checklist, and it's, it's not... There are more functions of communication than just the 20 there, but it gives me a guidance of what to look at. So I might be screening a child because, again, that will help me in that tool decision making process. So when I look at screening, I go, did I see a greeting? Are they able to make choices, indicate a preference? Can they clarify if there's breakdown in communication? Can they make requests? Do they comment? I also use that same checklist alongside the set and I'll say, let me take a look. Which functions did I see? Did I see it in a gesture format? Did I see it that maybe when I presented a low-tech tool to this child, did I see them give a greeting? Or did they look at me? Did they acknowledge the speaker when some when somebody said something to them? And then I continue to use it because as I previously said, we're never done looking at that process of communication. I'll use it as a data collection for myself and see where are we missing? Maybe they're not able to clarify because they don't have a tool to do it. And so again, I use that tool routinely. I was in my my um, 
my thesis or not thesis work, my graduate work when I was studying at the university and I have hung on to it. The author is unknown. And so I continue to use it. I share it with my students here at the university and I use it when I'm evaluating and when I'm also doing intervention myself. Okay. So that's the one that you shared with us. That's the handout. Correct. Okay. Source is unknown. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to say that it's the Mary Beth source. We're kind. <laughs> okay. It goes everywhere I'm sure I that go. you have. Yes. Yes. And you have used it a lot, I bet. Yeah. And yes. it looks like a really good one. So is there more for assessment? Right. And so as we begin throughout the assessment, then, like I said, the tools are last because I want to make sure I have background knowledge on needs strengths. I want to make sure what environment am I dressing? Is it home? Is it school? Is it the community? And I broke it down further yet by tasks. What's expected for communication in school? And remember, we talked about circle time or reading or home. Is it bedtime we want to target or is it dinner time. And again, we want to make sure we break that down efficiently. And then I bring in tools. So I begin first and foremost with no tech tools. Before we move on to the tools. Okay. I'm a therapist in the schools. I've got 65 kids on my caseload. You know, I've got one or two children that may need Mm -hmm. um, some AAC. And I want to do all of this detailed analysis. Would you say that there are general commonalities, you know, like you're talking about, it's such a wonderful thing, you know, to do the, the greetings and to have the communication time during bedtime or when they awaken. And I bet there are some commonality times. Is there a checklist? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Or do I just need to investigate each child for each task that the kid does? Or are there some commonalities that I could just, I'm going to say, assume that each child does, that it's needed for each child? Correct. And again, that's where using the set, using that interactive checklist. And I said before, you have to use your team. And there again, parent helps, the teacher helps, OT, PT, whoever sees the adaptive FIED teacher. I bring all those people in because that caseload of 65, there is no way you have to be part of a team to do this. And you need that help from the outside people to make sure. So maybe, for example, if I look in adaptive FIED in my met school and I see that Charlie Brown needs to make a choice whether he wants to do hockey that day or if he wants to play basketball or if he's going to do tennis, I need to make sure that maybe just a no-tech board with either photos or symbols would all he would need to prevent feeling left out maybe having a meltdown and the adaptive FIED teacher shows that tool and he can choose right then and there. The power of choice opens up so many doors for children. It makes them feel in control. The same for us. When we know we have a choice and someone says, would you like to do A, B or C? And you have a way to communicate back. A tool as simple as that can be the make or break of a class of a day. Because I've had some children who get so frustrated and I would feel the same way if I didn't have that opportunity. Good point. Okay, you were going to move into tools before I so rudely interrupted you. No. So as we look at tools, like I said, the adapted financial teacher, when I look at those environments, I think what tools and I always think what's effective and what's efficient because time is of the essence. And there isn't an SLP, not that I've met yet, who has a luxury of time. And so again, quite often I use photos. I'll use maybe picture communication symbols or symbol sticks that I can quickly pull offline. And once I've made some of these, it's not that things don't duplicate. Maybe I have to quick change one symbol and add. But again, I share a wealth. Thank goodness for Walgreens and Target for their one hour photo delivery. It can be that quickly done to give that communicator the opportunity to make a choice, look at that interactive checklist, make a request, deny something they don't 
want to do, you have to be able to have that power to do that or clarify. No, I meant the blue one, not the black one. Again, all of those can be at a no tech range. Hey, busy SLP, Char Beauchart here. Here's a tip from me to you. Every week, become a lot more informed. Sign up for Therapy Matters at charbochart.com. It's free. Learn our tech and language tips and techniques and tons of ideas for making your school therapy life easier and more effective. I've been a therapist for 30 plus years and I love to share what I've learned. Sign up for Therapy Matters, read it or listen to it at charbochart.com. You'll be glad you did because the therapy that you do matters. Sign up now. Okay, so are you going to something like Boardmaker or what are some of your options that maybe somebody is walking around with their phone and taking pictures, taking photos? So formal and informal. Yes, I do. A lot of schools, you know, I might, someone might say, well, we can do photos, take photos. I look at wherever a team can be the quickest in getting that no tech tool in the hands of a child or student. So photos are great. Again, think about things that they want to share, show, tell, inform, take pictures up. The other tool that I use extensively, and again, I come back to Boardmaker when it came out in a book and I stood at the copier and I photographed one whole page for one picture in the middle. Yes, I remember that. Yes, and my husband, he even knows how to cut out picture communication symbols. He helped me, bless his heart. But here again, now I've moved over to Boardmaker Online. It is Boardmaker on steroids. I can't say enough. And so again, I use that extensively. But again, any form of board maker will be there for you. So that's another tool. Other tools that I've taken a look at would be symbol sticks and other companies that offer, you know, other types of communication symbols. Symbol sticks. How do you spell that? Symbol, the word symbol, S-Y-M-B-O-L and S-T-I-K-S, sticks. Oh, And so do I just Google that or is there a website? You can Google symbol sticks and you'll find a wealth of different companies that either some give you free for a few examples. Others will give you maybe there's a fee you can pay for. Um, I pay for just a couple of resources that have symbol sticks. Um, My primary one and the one if you ask me my preference, it's going to be board maker because I picture communication symbols tend to be more concrete. And especially if I'm working with a child who is transferring from photos over to picture communication symbols. I probably use photos and between that and picture communication symbols about 50-50. And again, there are some programs that use symbol sticks. So I do think it's important that we teach our children what those are. Um, There's also Unity, which is another software program. And if you Google Pranky Romic. Ooh, spell that one. I'm sorry. E-R-E-N-T-K-E. And it's R-O-M-I-C-H. Okay. Sounds like Prentke Romich, but it's Pranky Romich. They have a software program called Unity. And before it was called Unity, it was called MinSpeak, which might be familiar to some people. But that's another symbol system where one symbol, like they have the yellow sun, it has multiple meaning representation. The sun can mean happy. It can mean yellow. It can mean um, feelings. It can mean I like, but it has multiple meanings. And that's another symbol system on the market. It's a great one for literacy teaching. Okay, so the Unity program, is that something that you can access on your tablet? Yes, you can. Unity software comes on dedicated devices, and we'll get to those in a little bit. But it also comes on an app. Okay. And the application is called Words for Life. Did you say life or light? L-I-F-E? Life. L-I-F. Okay. Words for L-I-F-E. Thank you, Mary Beth. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Okay. So as we continue, 
looking at our no-tech resources, then I began to move up to what we call our low-tech. These might be switch or buttons that if you tap a button, it'll say a message like, good morning, how are you? A great one maybe to put in at circle time. Or I might have another button that maybe a student will go down to the office. Maybe they're the leader of the week and they have to turn in attendance or give something to the secretary. And the message might be, excuse me, I have something for you. And so again, that could be that. Those um, no tech tools can be very small in size or they can be bigger because, again, as I previously stated about accessibility, a child will either have to be able to tap it or access it either through a switch or other options of what we call accessibility. So we want to make sure either the circumference is either big enough or small enough for that child in order to activate or make that what we call speech generating low tech device activate and work for them. Let's go back to our functions of communication, gaining someone's attention, informing, making a request, giving a comment. Again, someone might say, have a nice day. And we'd want to come back, comment back. You too. I'll see you later. So again, those are some of those low-tech devices. Those can range anywhere, like I said, from small buttons. Most things can all be mounted either on a chair, on a table, or better yet, worn on a person. Um, there's a great watch that can communicate quite readily. Or again, maybe like a fanny pack, there's a nice low-tech button that will fit on a person's body. And again, wherever they can make it most effective and efficiently accessible. As we move up, I want to move into what we call static communication tools. Those can be things that have two buttons on them. So again, here you have a chance to make a choice. I want the red. I want the green. Or maybe we can have four buttons. I want to play hockey, you know, basketball, baseball, or I need a break. And so again, we can continue all static devices are very dependent on communication boards or overlays that we need to prep or make, or we can do photos. For example, I have a little boy who has to make a choice, either use the swing, the tramp, hang out at the monkey bars, or wants to just watch. And so I've taken photos of that child in each four of those environments. We've talked about environments on the playground. And before he goes out, I'll say, Linus, what are you going to start with today? And on a static device, he can tap and touch and let me know. That way, again, the empowerment of making a choice, acknowledging me as a speaker, and once he gets out there, he already has a plan. He can tell a friend. He can maybe invite someone to join him on the monkey bars or the trampoline, whatever, wherever he is going. So we start to increase what we call vocabulary. Vocabulary is critical in the world of augmentative communication. And I have to confess, sometimes I've slided on the fact of not giving kids always enough vocabulary. And I'd almost rather err on the side of more vocabulary than not enough. So as we move up in static devices, I have devices that have buttons for nine messages, 20 messages, 16, 23, 32, 64. Again, the more messages we have, the bigger the device gets. Static is a great teaching tool for kids to use as they're making choices, denying, commenting, clarifying. But sometimes I often think, can I give them enough language? I want to bring your attention to one tool we've been using here at our university for the past two years. It is an app, and right now it's only iOS on an iPad, and it is called AAC Genie, G-E-N-I-E. -E. Don't ask me why it's called Genie, but it is an 
awesome tool that helps determine how much vocabulary a student or a child or an early ed little person can use or can access. I have been using it, and the more I use it, the more I think, yes, this is helping guide me as far as the amount and type of vocabulary that I give them. So it is $9.99 for purchase, and I'm going to tell you it is the best $9.99 I have ever spent. When you walk through, it looks at, first of all, identifying pictures. So again, it'll help you determine what that symbol system might need to look like. It'll tell you how many pictures or how many symbols they can take in. It starts with two and it goes all the way up in the assessment to 48. And again, where do you start to see the data drop or do you see the data continue to increase when you get even up to 48 symbols on a tablet? It'll also help take a look at how children start to connect where you might say, I want to go outside. Because again, we want to see how much language can they give us. Because remember, I said to you, augmentative communication is the same as teaching language. It also helps tell us literacy wise, where I can see I can think of one little guy I was assessing with. And when we got to that segment, I thought, "Mm, I don't know if you'll be able to connect all that language I want to go or I want to see. He did a phenomenal job, scored 100% accuracy. And right then and there, I'm starting to realize, I think I have a reader that I'm working with. He was already picking up that language pattern about I want or I need or I like. I was so impressed and so excited that day. So when you're all said and done with AAC Genie, I know how many of you love to write reports. It generates a report for you so you can plug in your data. Yes, I use electronic medical records and I use what we call SPED forms or electronic IEPs. I copy and paste and beautifully put my data in because, again, Time for the SLP is critical. Whether we're writing reports or whether I'm doing progress reports, I will use AAC Genie to help guide me in that such high quality need for adequate and efficient vocabulary. Nice. That is a great resource. Do you have other things that you could share with us? Yep. I'm going to move on to my next area called We're going to move from static devices now to dynamic. And when I talk about dynamic, my role here at the university as an assessor is to make sure that families, schools, agencies, whomever I am working with, realize all the opportunities and all the tools that can be available relating to augmentative communication. And that's a really critical piece. So as we move over, I'm going to go with dedicated devices, and then I'm going to parallel it with what we call AAC apps. Okay, sounds good. When we come out with dedicated devices, um, number one, I always look for service. And there's some great companies out there that provide service. A couple of companies that I work extensively with is Toby Dynavox. Um, Talk to Me Technologies. I work with Pranky Romek, the company I shared with you before. And so those are probably my three big end companies. And you might say, well, why would you work with them? Number one, they are great to lend and loan equipment because I, as the evaluator, need to be able to try, remember what I said, try things before I make any decisions and then they have their own loaning or maybe some companies have what we call complimentary loans that students or children or early ed children can loan equipment from those companies. So there again, collecting that data. So you might say, well, what data are you collecting? Let me take you back to my interactive checklist. Does this help with greetings? Does this help with gaining someone's attention. Am I seeing these things? So as I begin, keep in mind, I don't just put 
any, whether it be a no-tech tool or a high-tech dynamic tool, I practice, I model, I touch, I role play continually with children. Because again, you are the teacher of communication, the teacher of language, where we need to model, 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 referred to as aided language stimulation to show them this is how it's going to get someone's attention or this is how you're going to get to the playground information or this is how you're going to be able to get ready to get to bed and tell mom and dad I need one more book I can think of my own children telling me that so again we want to model and then from there we go to cueing and then from there we look at independence so by the time I get to dynamic I still go back and I model and then I cue and then I start to fade and then I look for independence. So when I look at dynamic tools, again, we can do all dynamic tools can take in photos, just like I talked about from NoTech. All dynamic tools come with symbol systems. And as we start to break down, I'll get more specific into software or apps. And all can have their own symbols or you can add whatever you want to. And I like when I can do a combination of photos, symbols, whatever it might be. Because remember, it's not my vocabulary. It is the child's vocabulary, their language, what they understand, what they can use. So when we look at dynamic, I always think, boy, dynamic tools do help me become more efficient because it's already there. And again, it's important that I walk through and teach that child how that dynamic system will work. I do want to bring your attention to one no tech tool that does a nice job of transferring a child from no tech to, dy to dynamic. And that is referred to as POD. It stands for Pragmatic Organization Dynamic Display, put out by Gail Porter. It has extensive training in order to have access or use of POD. So let me tell you a little bit of what Gail Porter has to offer. Number one, there is a two-day POD training. And again, they're offered across the United States. Gail Porter is from Australia. And the minute you hear her speak, you will know it. She is a phenomenal speech pathologist. And so she is the developer. Her co-worker who works extensively with her is Linda Burkhart. She also is a POD trainer. And so when you attend the training, you either get one or both, but there initially is what we call a two-day pod training, and it's creating that awareness about looking at pod. When you begin teaching, when I talk about pod, it is a book of picture communication symbols. It starts with core words, I, want, like, don't like, need more, stop, tell me more. And again, you touch the speech pathologist, parent, occupational therapist, you model, 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 model. It's again, like a book and you flip through. And then as you continue, it breaks down into categories like activities, school activities, playground, the park. And it's quite a thick book. But again, the speech pathologist or the adult continues to model, model, model through those categories for teaching. The purpose and the focus behind POD, and that's your two-day training, you can move up to a five-day training where you can become a user of POD, which is where I'm at. I've had the five-day training where, again, it's a great teaching tool to teach that dynamic linking. And again, when you move over to the actual dynamic device, I find such an efficiency with the learner that they've learned that when I hit more, I might flip to categories and I might want to go to Play-Doh. I'll flip to the Play-Doh page. There again, teaching them that linking process or what we refer to as navigation for language makes it very efficient. Now, do all children have to do pod no, they do not. But it has been a nice no-tech tool to start with. And again, a great stepping stone to dynamic dedicated devices. So 
as we break down, let's take a look at some of the software that's available. When I first got started using the dynamic side, the very first application or software on the market was Prolo Q to go. I thought I had seen the best of everything because I was using it, I can't believe it, on an iPod. And the iPod was in a speaker box system. I thought it was awesome because I had been using Pod and I thought, now we've done this, can we transfer to something else? And sure enough, we moved to dynamic actual devices. And so that's how I started using ProloQ to go known as P2G. Well, since then, there are almost over 400 and some apps related for augmentative communication, and there continues to be the development of software by companies. So we have a wealth of resources available to us from a dynamic standpoint. A couple that I do want to bring to your attention, and my last one, a couple things to share. Number one is a newer one put out by Toby Dynavox called Snap Plus Core First. It is one of the first ones that is now web-based, meaning I can sit in my office, Charlie Brown can be at his home, and he can say to me, I need to go. I'm going on a trip. Can you put in some vocabulary? I can do it in my office. It goes in the cloud and Charlie Brown has access to it either on an iPad, an app, or on a dedicated device. So there's been some great breakthrough. The software is called Snap Plus Core First, put out by Pranky Roman. If you are a speech pathologist and you belong to ASHA, if you go to Toby Dynavox's website, you can have that software for free with your ASHA account number. It's probably one of the newest ones on the market, but that's my job to share and show what vocabulary is out there available for communicators. Wow. Nice. The one site that I'll tell you to go to to learn more about what's on the market, Jane, her first name is Jane Farrell, F. A-R-R-E-L. And if you Google her name, she has called AAC Practical, and she has a wealth listed of apps, software related to the dynamic side for augmentative communications. Jane is phenomenal. And again, I check her site out because that's where I learn what's new, what's on the market, what other tools might we be? Um, there's a wealth. We, we could do a whole nother training on vocabulary resources. Yes. Well, maybe we should. Mary Beth, I feel like I just took an entire day's course in 50 minutes. <laughs> You're amazing. You gave such great resources. Thank you so much, Mary Beth. I appreciate you. Sounds great. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charboshart.com and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well and God bless.